This is State to State Properties. This is Teddy DiBiase, the Million Dollar Man. Hey, this is Bob Backlund. Hey, everyone, this is Rick Stein. This is the Honky Dog Man, the greatest WWE intercontinental champion of all time. This is your wrestling show, Ottawa. Heck, they could use you guys over in WWE. You're listening to the greatest wrestling show in the whole wide world. This is Wrestling with Ideas. Welcome inside the CKDJ Studios. This is Wrestling With Ideas right here on CKDJ 107.9, Ottawa's new music. The show that challenges your thoughts and wrestles with ideas. I am your host, Zach McGivin. Here with you for the next hour, we're going to be talking all the latest wrestling news that's going on in the wrestling world today. And plus, later on, uh, you may have seen it all over our social media. We had Pierre Carl Ouellette coming on the show. We discuss a variety of different things on the interview. We discuss his early run in the WWF as part of the Quebecers. Also, we talked about his recent career revitalization. He's been wrestling a lot on the independent scene, so you'll definitely want to tune in for that, but let's go straight into the news. So the first thing I think everybody is talking about right now in terms of the big wrestling news is the report that came out by Justin Barrasso. He's from Sports Illustrated. Uh, He's reported some stories before. Um, A couple of those stories have been proven to be incorrect, so we have to take it with a little bit of a grain of salt. Um, but one of the things that Justin Barrasso reported was that apparently Rey Mysterio was at the SmackDown Live show this past Tuesday to finalize WWE contract negotiations to set up a potential WrestleMania 34 match with John Cena. Now that totally goes away from the original plan that I believe WWE had, and that was to bring The Undertaker back from retirement and have a John Cena versus Undertaker matchup at WrestleMania. Now that's Probably because Undertaker is still not 100%. And I don't think he should be coming back, to be quite honest. The way he looked at WrestleMania 33 against Roman Reigns, Reigns did the best that he could with him, but he was clearly not the same Undertaker as he was during his matches with CM Punk, with Triple H, with Shawn Michaels, uh, even with Brock. He, he, he looked worse for wear than he did in the Brock Lesnar match. But... Saying that, though, this new matchup for Cena against Rey Mysterio is kind of interesting, mainly because this will be the first time that Cena and Mysterio will face off one-on-one in the same ring uh, since the one-on-one match for the WWE Championship back in 2011. This was after CM Punk, quote-unquote, walked out on the company. This was the original worked one after the pipe bomb promo. And it will be the first time that they face off one-on-one since that title match. And that was when Cena beat Rey Mysterio for the WWE title after Mysterio had won the title earlier that night. So there's a little bit of history I guess they could try and work in there. They're currently doing a storyline with Cena in which, which is kind of unbelievable. They're trying to make this case that John Cena could be left off the WrestleMania card. You really think that a star like John Cena is going to be left off a WrestleMania card? I don't think so. I wish they could have restructured that story a little bit and make it something where he he doesn't know what his opponent is going to be. He knows he's going to be on the WrestleMania card. He's going to try and force his way onto uh, different matches. Maybe try and go for that uh, that seventeenth title win uh, to beat Ric Flair. Something, but this idea that John Cena can't make the WrestleMania card is pretty ridiculous to me. Um, but the thing is, as well as I mentioned earlier. Some of Barrasso's stuff has been proven to be a little inaccurate. 
And one of the things that has come out is that both Mike Johnson from PW Insider and Dave Meltzer from the Wrestling Observer Newsletter have both said, uh, in terms of Rey Mysterio showing up at SmackDown Live and negotiating a WWE contract, uh, that is apparently not the case, and that was confirmed to them by multiple sources. Um, but the one thing that they can confirm is that the talks between Rey Mysterio and WWE have really intensified in recent weeks. Uh, so that's something to keep an eye on. Will they be able to, to negotiate a contract by the time uh, after Fastlane when John Cena, uh, who just recently got added into the WWE title matchup, now making it a fatal five-way? That could be something we could see there. Um, in terms of afterwards, maybe Mysterio lays out a challenge. Uh, we Again, we, don't, we know it's not going to be Undertaker. At least we think we know it's not going to be Undertaker by the way Cena cut his promo this past Monday night saying how... The match with Undertaker is impossible, um, which I think people should kind of take that a little bit seriously because they want to build. They've always built Cena as this guy who's unstoppable that can do the impossible. And if you have your big baby face guy who says that, where he says something is impossible and he can't strive for it, it'll look really weak on his part. And I don't think, you know, I don't think. John Cena wants to look weak. No matter, like, he's been embracing his role as the veteran recently in terms of putting over guys, especially in that gauntlet match with Seth Rollins last week. He's been really embracing the veteran role and understanding, look, I'm going to be here from time to time. My movie career is really taken off. You know, I'm, I'm going to do a, I'm going to do good business. I'm going to try and put over some guys while I'm here. Um, so that's good on Cena's part. And one thing to note as well with Rey Mysterio is that he still has the New Japan Pro Wrestling Strong Style Evolve show booking uh, that's coming up on March 25th. That's in California. And he's going to be facing off against Jushin Thunder Liger during that match. I believe from what I've heard is that that booking will still stand no matter what in terms of a contract being signed. So if they decide to contract tomorrow, let's say, they say Rey Mysterio has signed with the WWE and there's going to be this big press conference, let's say. Mysterio can still work that New Japan booking. One of the things that apparently they're far away on in terms of negotiating a contract, which is understandable in terms of Rey Mysterio. Um, Rey Mysterio wants to work a part-time schedule. So similar to what Chris Jericho was doing before. He's an older guy. He's 43. And one of the things against him as well is he looked great at the Royal Rumble when he made his surprise return there as sort of a one-night sort of deal. He looked fantastic. He looked like 1996 Rey Mysterio. Um, but the one thing in terms of Ray is that you can never mess with a knees and a back injury, especially when you're 43 and you're a luchador in terms of high flying wrestling style. You don't want to mess with that. Um, so I could totally understand why Ray wants to do a part time schedule. It'll be easier on him. It'll add more appeal to him as well. I think people really underestimated the ability of him to draw, uh, especially in some bigger markets. A lot of people were pointing out when Ronda Rousey made her debut at the Royal Rumble back in, well, a couple months ago, um, in terms of YouTube views, now, obviously, that's a pretty basic metric, and it's eventually going to have to lead to, you know, buys to the network and that sort of stuff. But in terms of views, last time I checked, Ronda Rousey was about 3 million views on YouTube for her Royal Rumble appearance, while Rey Mysterio was well over 12 million. So there's a lot more appeal to people and Rey Mysterio coming back. So I, I could definitely see why WWE wants to bring Rey in. Um, and, and in terms of an actual match with Cena, would that be the ideal match? You know what? A lot of people are saying they don't really want to see that match. I just see this more as an attraction match, just something that they could put on the card, something that they can hype up. 
both Mysterio and Cena are some of the bigger draws that WWE has had in the past 20 years, I'd say. Uh, no, not 20 years, because that would include the Attitude Era. So I would say in the past 10 years, is uh, they definitely have to be up there in terms of the highest drawing guys that uh, brings in the crowds. So I think that's mainly what it is. You have to have those two guys on the card. You got to put them in a match. And that's, of course, if Mysterio gets signed. Um, it's just going to be the way how they're going to build this story. Are they going to move from that uh, 2011 storyline with Cena coming in and taking the title from Rey Mysterio on the same night that Mysterio won the title? Or are they going to try something brand new? Are they going to just do a babyface versus babyface match? Because to me, it's going to be really tough to see Rey Mysterio as a heel. I can't imagine Rey Mysterio as a heel in this day and age. And especially with the attraction that he's garnered, I think it'd be a huge mistake if WWE brings him back as a heel. So, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, I personally believe, in terms of Rey Mysterio, judging from the reports, I don't think he's going to wrestle at Mania. But don't be surprised to see him on the Raw after Mania uh, making his debut alongside, uh, or re-debut, I should say, alongside Lashley. I think that's the plan that WWE is going to be going with. Nextly, we're going to talk about this feud that's now been confirmed after Elimination Chamber. We are going to get Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar at the main event of WrestleMania. And a lot of people are not too happy about it. Some are not are indifferent to it. They figured it was going to be coming a mile away, so don't want to get your expecta expectations too high. Um, but in terms of what has been transpiring around it, the way they're building this feud right now, the whole deal with Brock now... Teasing WWE again with another move over to the UFC, potentially having another fight uh, in the UFC. Now, in terms of that sort of stuff, people have to remember in terms of him, he took that suspension for steroids. Uh, and now he's out of the USADA testing pool. So if he wants to get back into finding, nobody really knows if he's jumped back into the pool. USADA doesn't have to release that info. But essentially, if he, let's say he wasn't back in the pool and he was just considering coming back, if he jumps in the pool now, he would have to wait six months in order for him to be able to get back into the octagon um, and fight again. Um, and in that, and in terms of the time frame, that would be past SummerSlam, as far as I know. So now that's of course if he's already put gone into the USADA pool before then, and it was quite discreet, nobody was able to pick it up, then he's okay. But if he's just going to be starting soon, whether it be tomorrow, whether it be today, whether it be next week. Uh, then it would be just a little bit past the SummerSlam mark. Um, and apparently, Brock is negotiating with WWE and telling them that, uh, and this is of course coming from Fightful, Sean Ross Sapp, uh, he's saying his source is telling him that Brock is saying that he is out for SummerSlam. He's not going to do SummerSlam. Because after the whole ordeal uh, last time uh, he fought in the UFC, his contract was frozen so that he could fight it uh, in the UFC. So now the contract extends into SummerSlam, but now he's apparently telling WWE he's not going to fight at SummerSlam. That's going to be something interesting there to keep our eye on. And it looks like they're going to be using that to their advantage in this storyline feud with Roman Reigns. Now, I will say this right now. This is a personal opinion. You may not like it. Roman Reigns cut not only the best promo of his career, but I think so far he's cut the best promo of 2018. You'd have to really argue with me on another promo that really eclipsed this in terms of meaningfulness to a feud, delivery, the content that's being said, um, 
I don't think there was a part in that promo where he really messed up. Um, that was probably the best, most pure Roman Reigns we have seen from him possibly since the Shield days and maybe even before then. I think this is maybe even the first time we've really seen a pure Roman Reigns style promo where it's just him. He can be him. And you could tell he was upset about this. Um, and he's and now a lot of people are saying too, it's a little bit similar to the previous storylines he's been doing, saying he's been here every day while these part-timers that he faces uh, aren't there every day. He's he's a leader in the locker room, Roman Reigns. That was pretty much evident in the John Cena feud this past fall. And now they're applying it here. But this has a little bit more oomph to it because there's a bit of realism and there's a bit of truth to this as well. And I think that's why people are so intrigued with it. And I think that's why he delivered the promo with such conviction and such, you know, believability. And I think a lot of what he's saying, sure, it's work shoot, but you could tell that's how he really feels as well. And that's what makes great promos. If you're saying how you really feel, you're putting your own emotions to it, it comes off as real and you invest the viewer when you're wa- when they're watching the show and they're saying, man, he's he's really into it. And that's why CM Punk was so big was because he was able to be convincing. He he was convicted in his thoughts. He he, he said the way he thought was the right way to think. And if you didn't believe him too bad, but you at least could think, you know what, he's he's. At least he's saying what he's saying and you believe what he believes is essentially what I'm trying to say. And I think that's what Roman Reigns was able to do there. Um, So I think in terms of the interest in this feud, this interest in the feud has shot way up. I think more people are now interested in this feud than they were before. Now, me personally, I never got into the Roman Reigns hate. Okay, I shouldn't say never. During that time in the Royal Rumble when he was being built up, I also think he wasn't ready. Um, but Triple H has said before he didn't feel he was ready when he was getting called up, whether that's just a corporate line to try and protect Reigns, who knows? But um, during that time around 2014, 2015, especially um, when he was starting to make that rise, I think he wasn't ready. But I've seen him grow as a wrestler. I think his entering work is really good. Um, I've seen him have some very good matches, and you can argue that the quality of opponent really helps as well. But People have to remember, it takes two to tango. If you got one guy doing good and the other guy going along well, those two mesh well, you should be fine. Um, And Reigns has done more than his fair share of work. And I think he's been having some good matches. And this match as well with Brock coming up at Mania. I'm super excited for this, mainly because I think the match at WrestleMania 31 that they had was awesome. It was a fantastically well-built storyline in terms of you got this guy... You could build a story around this where Roman wasn't ready for that spotlight just yet. He wasn't ready, and he really took the beating. He started to come back, but then, of course, what happened is Seth Rollins comes in, cashes in his money in the bank, and he steals it. Reigns goes on this rebuilding. He main events each mania. He tries to reinvent his game, up his showmanship. Now he's back again. He gets to face his rival one more time, and now this is a real situation where they really don't like each other. And you kind of infuse that in a little bit. And he's a the storyline, anyways, is that he's a better wrestler than he was before. He's more over than he was before. He's more prepared than he was before for a guy like Lesnar. And now you've got this clash of titans, essentially, going at it at WrestleMania. Now, am I blowing smoke out of my rear end? Maybe. But this is how I analyze the feud. I think it's probably, if Reigns was over, if Roman Reigns was over... This is quite possibly one of the best-built storylines in WWE 
in a long, long time. You're talking about long-term booking, trying to get somebody, you know, at least look like they're a credible star, right? Really, the thing is, now many people argue, well, he's over because he's getting a reaction from the crowd. I think there's more to being over than just a reaction to the crowd. I think being over is an all-encompassing thing where you get reactions from the crowd, you're able to sell tickets, you're able to sell merchandise, uh, you've got a good public persona. There's a lot of different things to being over, and it's not just reactions from the crowd. It's how you are able to present yourself. If you present yourself like a star and you and people grasp onto it, they want to invest in you, not just to go into the arenas, but they want to buy your t-shirts, they want to buy your programs, they want to buy your DVDs, whatever then that really encompasses how someone is truly over, in my opinion. Um, if Reigns was really over, this is one of the best storylines WWE has ever produced. And, and I'm, you may challenge me on that. Feel free to do so. But I really do believe there's a lot of potential there. I think the notion now that Reigns is not ready, maybe he's not ready to be the guy, but in terms of challenging Brock, I think he needs to be the guy at this point. Um, I think he needs to step up, truly show that he is the guy to carry this brand. And come hell or high water anyways, WWE is going to make that happen. And this is probably their last-ditch effort to really get Reigns over. So hopefully don't, they don't screw this up and they give Reigns a chance here because this feud could be something. And if they're able to play off more real-life stuff, we saw it with the Cena feud, if they're able to play off more real-life stuff with Roman and Roman's allowed to show his character a little bit more, he's can be able to turn... The crowd's attention from booing him to, yeah, he, I like what he's saying. I don't like Brock either. He's here from time to time. This guy's here every day, and he's going to go get after that championship. If he's able to turn some heads there, I think they'll be fine. But again, they've got to be able to cons be consistent with this and not just back off from it because this is this is their one real last chance to get Reigns over as the guy. Because to me, he's not the guy yet but he's a guy getting close to it. Finally, I want to talk about Ronda Rousey and how she's booked so far uh, this early into her WWE run. It's about a week now where she's been on TV. We saw her at Elimination Chamber, then we saw her on Raw afterwards. At Elimination Chamber, I'll be honest, I think she was a little nervous. Obviously, it's a totally different environment for her. This is not the UFC um, talking has never been one of her strong points when she was in the UFC. Um, so that was the only real thing I was nervous about. Would she be able to grab onto it? Maybe the mic, was she going to have the mic skills, uh, good enough mic skills to carry herself in WWE. Those were the main concerns I had when, with Rousey coming in and elimination chamber was a little shaky at first trying to get through the nerves. There was a couple of awkward moments in that promo, but in terms of the main focuses it was able to get out, in terms of establishing the feud for Rousey and trying to at least get her over, get her cheered, I think was actually quite brilliant. I do like the idea of how they had her essentially say, I'm not going to go for a title right away. I want to prove myself. And I, I will be guaranteeing a match at WrestleMania. People understand that, right? She's coming in. She's a big star. You have to have her on the card. And in terms of her going to WrestleMania... They, they want to give her a big match, but don't want to give her a title match right away. She's got to earn it. And I and a lot of people can respect that. They say, wow, you know, she's this big star, but she wants to come from humble beginnings here in WWE and she wants to work her way up. I think people can get behind that. And I think Rousey really impressed in terms of taking Triple H and putting him into a table. Um, 
the only thing I wasn't really a big fan of was Stephanie McMahon slapping Ronda Rousey um, and trying to make her look credible. But I will say in terms of Rousey staring right back at her, just giving this killer look, I loved it. It, it showed this badassery that Ronda Rousey has. And I think it could really help her into really being that big star in WWE that WWE is really looking for. Um, so that Elimination Chamber segment with Kurt Angle, I thought Kurt Angle was funny in this as well. I thought he was great. Um, now the Raw segment, I think, was actually the best segment. Because Ronda Rousey came in and all of a sudden, whatever nerves she had seemed to just simply go away. And she had this look to her face, this determination to her face, this confidence, this swagger that we hadn't really seen from Rousey since probably around the Holly Holm feud that she had, the Holly Holm fight. And you could tell her confidence has gone up. People are starting to get behind her. And her going face-to-face -face with Stephanie, I think, is really going to get people behind her. Obviously, there's a lot of comparisons right now in the way they're building her up into being essentially a female Stone Cold Steve Austin and Stephanie McMahon being the Vince McMahon. In order for that to truly be successful, Stephanie McMahon has to take some bumps or at least take some sort of hit, I guess you could say, from Ronda Rousey. Because that's what made Vince so brilliant during the Attitude Era, was that he would let Austin win a couple, and it would get people behind Austin's side. But then McMahon would come back with his own, and that's what made it interesting, because it was a back and forth. If Stephanie is able to do that, she's able to put herself behind and say, look, this is what the business needs. This is what we need to do business. I need to take this fall, I'm going to take this loss for this week, but I'm going to come back next week and make it a back and forth. That's where the heat will be. And then it will create some intrigue. Who's going to win? That sort of deal. And the killer look again by Ronda Rousey during that Raw segment was fantastic. Um, so I think Rousey's primed to be a big star. I think she's got some good things ahead of her. I'm excited to see where this feud's going to go. I'm really excited pretty much with a lot of the major feuds where this will take us into Mania. I think this is going to be a really solidly built Mania unless something goes horribly wrong. God forbid. Um, but this is something to look forward to. I'm I'm super excited to see where this goes. I want to see where this goes. <clears throat> and I think a lot of people, once the storylines really start to unravel and new plot points get put into each of the feuds, I think more people will get invested into the matches, especially uh, the Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar match, as mentioned earlier. With that, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're bringing you straight into our interview with PCO Pierre Carl Ouellette, one half of the Quebecers, three-time WWF Tag Team Champion, making his appearance at Joey Janela's Spring Break 2. We talk a lot of stuff, so stay tuned for that interview. Hey, everyone. This is PCO Pierre Carl Ouellette, and you're listening to Wrestling With Ideas at PCO.
Welcome inside the CKDJ studios. This is Wrestling With Ideas right here on CKDJ 107.9, Ottawa's new music. I'm Zach McGibbon, and on the line with me is a former three-time WWE Tag Team Champion. He's also been recently announced for Joey Janela's Spring Break 2, and he's the current Great North Wrestling Canadian Heavyweight Champion. We have PCO, Pierre Carl Ouellet. PCO, how are you doing today? I'm very good. Uh, what about you, Zach? I'm doing fantastic. I'm glad to have you on the show. Uh, we got a lot to talk about. Uh, really, the career you're having right now, it's just this big, uh, just the stuff that's being announced with you for Joey Janela's show, the stuff you're doing with Great North Wrestling. A lot of people have been talking about it, um, and we definitely want to get to that. But there's also some people that want to know a little bit about how you broke into the wrestling business. How did you break in uh, to the wrestling business? How you? Who trained you? Who uh told you you should get into wrestling? Uh, basically, I was uh, a young kid who, uh, who used to play hockey a lot. And uh, just uh, before going to the practices in the morning um, at 6 a.m., you know, I uh, used to uh, watch the TV and on cable. It was all wrestling on. And I was quite uh, attracted by it. And... Um, Eventually, I got uh, an accident to my right eye uh, playing with bullet guns. And um, I lost sight of my right eye. And um, it kind of uh, made me in a spot where I could choose either to play hockey professionally or wanted to be a pro wrestler. And... Uh, by the fact that I had only one eye, I chosen to become a pro wrestler. And uh, that's, then I would start talking to people that were around the business and they directed me to the Loiser St. John Baptist, where the greats like Pat Patterson, uh, the Rougeaus, the, the uncle, the, the father of the Rougeaus, um, and many other great names from the past. Uh, they all started there with Pat Gillard. And um, I knew some of the guys that weren't really over in the business, but knew, like, my dad from businesses and start, you know, my dad was asking around where I should go, and uh, I ended up going there. Going there. Mm-hmm. Interesting stuff. And uh, <laughs> one, one, of the, one of the people that you mentioned as well, uh, the Rougeaus, a lot of people uh, know you as well with your tag team with the Quebecers with Jacques Rougeau. Um, was he the one that helped bring you into the WWF at the time? Um, and how was your relationship with Jacques during that time uh, before you became a WWE tag team champion? Actually, I, I was by myself for a little while on the indie circuit when I left the Montreal. And just to, I came to a point where I knew I had to go on the road. Uh, was at that time a lot of local territory, like maybe Portland, Calgary, Montreal, Maritimes, uh, Winnipeg, the Tom Coast, uh, Vancouver, and uh, Puerto Rico, and so on, you know, Germany, England, South Africa, they all had like their territories. So uh, I knew I had to hit the road to get noticed. I couldn't just stay here and do the local indies around Montreal or the Loisier Saint Jean. So um, uh, I 
met, I went to a seminar with Edouard Carpentier in Montreal, and I got a good friend with a, a wrestler called Rick Crawford, Nelson Bayou. And um, he did some jobbing jobs, like, you know, like being a jobber for for uh, WWE, uh, when Jake Roberts and uh, Macho Man, the Golden Age era. And uh, he was there. So we, we kind of became friends together and we decided to go to New Brunswick together and created our own tag team. So it was easier for us to be on the road. So that's, that's the story, basically. We started in England as a tag team, but uh, called Double Triple. And it was uh, a lot of hype around our tag team. But uh, Nelson had the the, uh, the belief that uh, the height was so important because he was like 5'8", five, 5'9". Five, it was about nearly Chris Jericho's height. It was more Chris Benoit, you know. And I'd, in those years, the, the height was really important, he thought. I didn't think it was a, a big deal because he was in good shape and everything. But um, anyways, uh, I think he took himself out of the circuit by himself by thinking that he was not uh, tall enough. So I ended up going to Germany by myself and going to Puerto Rico by myself. And uh, I'm just shorting up everything here. You know, it was a long, long process than that. But eventually Jacques uh, was called by Carlos for a, an indie show in Puerto Rico. He was on a year of uh, a year off uh, of WWE because uh, it's in uh, JG. Uh, at five years old, and he sees other son that was just getting born, uh, Cedric. So he took a year off, and I met Jock over there, and he didn't even know that I existed. And uh, right when he saw me, I guess, um, he saw that we could do something good in WWE. Anyways, I didn't come across like that. He says, I'm going to call Vince. And to a tryout, and so I went for tryouts, and I worked in politics twice in uh, North Carolina and North Carolina, and uh, I to Puerto Rico, and it took about four to five months before I got a call. Got to be called the Packers, Jacques and Pierre. So that's how it basically happened, and uh, I was. Uh, Doing the Indies for eight years, you know, like living like hard time, cheap hotels, uh, room, uh, cheap uh, payoff, and uh, barely making it. And uh, success kind of happened overnight uh, for, for our tag team, for the Quebecers. Mm-hmm. We were uh, over right away, like with the crowd, big reaction, big pops on moves. Uh, we innovated a lot of things in the tag team division, invented a lot of things, tag team moves that weren't done before. And then uh, it got us to break. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And uh, one of the uh, opponents that you faced uh, are the notorious the Steiner brothers. 
Um, they've been known to pull ribs backstage uh, and do some pranks. Were you a victim of a rib at all from the Steiner brothers? No, not really. But uh, we had a little schmoz with the Steiners was in Germany when the Steiners taped up Dink, the midget, uh, Tiger Jackson. Tape him up with duct tape on a pole and start chewing the sandwiches and and sodas can and all sort of fruits and cake at him. And uh, Jacques grabbed the apple on his hand and he threw it as hard as he could about 10 feet away from Rick Steiner's face. And he hit the, the, the apple hit the pole who was between Jacques and Rick uh, Steiner. And uh, the apple exploded on the pole. And Tension was there because right after in the mission, uh, we were starting against a Steiner, and you know, in wrestling, you give your body to your your partners, your opponent, or whatever. Yeah, you know, so you can break you uh, an arm or a leg while you're giving your body to them. You know, if they want to really injure you, they can injure you. So it was a lot of adrenaline because. Jacques started the match, and I was ready in the corner. If they wanted to shoot, you know, we were going to a real fight. Uh, it, everything went smooth. Mm. And it's funny because the signers, they go sometimes on podcasts saying, uh, uh, talking about our our work, and uh, they, they, they kind of, Integrated a little bit, like saying uh, it wasn't like they, they didn't like it or something like that. But every time, I, every time I see them in a convention or somewhere where they are, big hug and everything. And it's not like you know. I always took Scott Frankensteiner. You know, he was always happy the way I took his Frankensteiner because a lot of guys couldn't take it. Um, I was doing all kind of bump things for them, and it's not like they do like uh, crazy things either, you know. Like uh, Rick does clotheslines, and Scott was the more agile of the two. But I mean, it was nothing special. I mean, to me, the signers, they, they had nothing special, you know. Mm-hmm. We were two brothers. They came with a wrestling background, but didn't really use it in the ring. So mm-hmm. I don't see what they're. So you didn't really see the hype behind the Steiner brothers. Um, I like. I kind of like uh, Scott uh, when he was in WCW, mm-hmm. and when he became too big, I think uh, it was more like a the the hype of being a freak. But as far as the work. I can't say that he was not was not a good worker, but I can't say that he was a Shawn Michaels or a Bret Hart or you know someone who was very 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 good at having great wrestling matches. Even though we we did have some matches with them, the Quebecers, I I think I think we did have some tremendous great matches. We had Johnny Polo involved in it. We had the heat. Uh, 
and you know we were cheating and doing all kinds of things and I was, I was bumping my ass for them and Jock was uh, pretty arrogant on the stick on the mic you know he had a face that you want to really hit him in the face for real if you're a man or even if you're one of the boys so he, he had the, that uh, arrogance to him so I think we had all the ingredients to have great matches, but just the fact they're, they were kind of saying bad things about us, uh, that's the thing that I couldn't really understand why. It's that we had a great match, and I don't think they, they were, I mean, that great. Mm -hmm. They were a good tag team, but if you look at even at the uh, the Road Warriors, it's the height, it's, it's the uh, the way they come out, the curtain, it's the you know the physiques, the everything that surrounds them. But the work itself, it's uh, it's okay, but it's mm -hmm. nothing uh, extraordinary. Yeah. I don't know if you if you, if you get my point. No, I understand. I, I, it's, it's, you're, what I'm trying to gather here as well is like, they come out with a lot of bravado. They've got a look to them, but when it comes to actually wrestling in the ring, they're not at a next level where you could say they're definitely one of the greatest tag teams of all time. Yeah. You can't say they're, they're super high fires or they're super technical or they super, uh, uh, you know, they're, they're, they look powerful and, and they do, uh, more you know, like, Great, great finish with mm -hmm. the, the doomster, where you know the toes line you up the top yep, and you flip, you know. Doomsday device. I took it a few times too, you know, and uh, that that made the whole thing, you know, the music, the uh, the entrance, and the finish. But between that, it was pretty, you know, so so. Mm -hmm. So you, so they just kind but of filled that, in a role. But they were my favorite. When I was a kid, they were my favorite tag team, you know, you know, because of the traps, the, the arms, the, the look, the makeup, the Mohawks. The, yeah. They were very innovative. And uh, the way they came out, you know, the Iron Man music and everything, the Warriors, they were, for me, you know, the greatest tag team uh, for what I was living at my time. Yeah. Uh, uh, nothing compared to m like me and Brett, where it was more technical and psychology and everything was taught, you know, yeah. or before it was done. So mm -hmm. just just different things that uh, when you're a kid and you're watching it, you don't look at details the same way that you would look at details when you're uh, you're in the business. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Well, let's talk. Let's talk about uh, Bret Hart. Uh, he's he's been very uh, appreciative of your work when you had your match at in your house back in 1995. Uh, and uh, it's funny how the storyline led to the match. You stole his jacket, and that's what led to the match. Um, can you just take us through, like, just how you and Brett decided to prepare for that match? Uh, what went into it? What was the planning? And uh, and 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 just now hearing about Brett's comments, uh, how you felt about those comments? Uh, did you think the match was was as good as Brett made it out to be? Did you think you could have done a little bit more? That sort of deal. Uh, I think uh, I think he was 
right on the uh, bullseye, you know, with his comments. Uh, except for one thing, but uh, I really appreciated uh, Brett's work, and he was really professional when he came down to it. Like, uh, for a pay-per-view, he would give me his phone number. I could call him ahead of time. We could discuss the match over the phone, you know, for maybe a couple of weeks before. Uh, just starting to put some ideas together. Really, really professional. You know? uh, if you didn't have a match with Brett or you weren't in a feud with him or you didn't have to really do business with him, uh, not a guy that you could call him at home and reach out easily to him, you know, if you would call him, not during a feud or not for a match. Uh, he was always swimming uh, or, or on a treadmill or jogging or, you know, make him look He's always in the gym, like probably told his wife to say so, you know. So um, the fact that he put me on his, uh, the Brett's uh, Dungeon video, best uh, matches, uh, that's really, really uh, a big honor for me. Uh, I, I was really appreciative of that. Mm-hmm. And uh, the way that it described uh, how I... Uh, I love to take care of the details. I really uh, uh, tried my work, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, all those words that he said, I think uh, he's right on. You know, he read me well. Uh, he knew me well. Because, you know, we did also Royal Rumble 94 mm-hmm. uh, with Brad and uh, Owen and uh, the defense of the tag belt. Yeah. And uh, also... Uh, we did a run for what three, four months that we were fighting each other every night. That uh, led uh, the uh, in your house match, but I've got to say that the best match came out the next night of the in your mm-hmm. house three. It was a great, great match. And then following night was Monday Night Raw. It was the rematch of that match, mm-hmm. and the crowd was on fire because like you open up Raw with this. Oh, that was awesome. Yeah. This match was my favorite of the two. Interesting. Um, and also, too, uh, last thing I want to talk about with some of the stuff you did in the WWF uh, is the pirate gimmick, uh, Jean-Pierre Lafitte. Uh, when were you told you were going to be working that sort of pirate gimmick, and what were your initial reactions, and how did you try to make that character work, the pirate gimmick? Well, actually, uh, during my old, uh, my old times, you know, from being 12 year old and losing sight in the right eye and, you know, making it there in WWE. During um, the old time, uh, my dad was really preaching uh, the fact that your uh, weaknesses could become your strength and that I should try to find something to uh, make it come out. So, by the end of uh, the run, because Jaga gave us his notice, uh, he wanted to retire from. So during that that three or four months that uh, Jacques was out, and I was continuing uh, here by myself, and I had a discussion with Vince. I uh, came up with the idea of uh, working with a patch on my right eye for those reasons. And also, uh, you know, try to uh, be a role model for people that do have 
some handicaps and you don't stop because of that and they, they, they keep moving on, they keep working on their dreams. And uh, that's the angle that I wanted to approach more. Uh, not that much to being a, a great, great grandson of a super great pirate, the Pachana in Louisiana. That was their idea. My idea was uh, working with an handicap. Eventually, you know, maybe trying to uh, reach out uh, towards people that do have some handicaps and try to uh, be like their, I don't know, uh, uh, motivational, uh, a motivational uh, example, yeah. a leader, or something like that, you know, and eventually maybe start as a you or turn face with that or add some scenario put up together that I gave, gave out to him. He liked them. And uh, as a you know, like stealing things, I know that Brett was not really comfortable with when I stole his jacket for him. He says, why wouldn't I get another jacket made? You know, like, if you steal my jacket, why shouldn't get another one made? You know, he, he didn't see the big, big deal around that. But let's say you play ball and I don't know, you play hockey or you play whatever sport. I don't know. It's like if I have uh, like a, a patch that makes me win all the time and it's my patch that I'm wearing for my match and, and you you steal it from me, it's like you're stealing the... the, the like every goaltender, you know, in hockey, they have like a, a routine or they have something that they're attached to because... It's their their pads since they're young, or it's the the gloves, you know, that makes the save for them. You know, it's that it's that relationship with that item that that, that I thought they should have worked it should uh, uh, pay more attention to to that details. I, think I I couldn't get that across Brett Brett's mind, you know, for for the jacket. So I didn't have time or I didn't know how to really come across and explain it to him like or he just didn't see it this way. But mm -hmm. uh, to me it made sense, you know, if a, if I take your ring jacket it's like I'm taking I'm taking your pride away. Mm -hmm. Basically it's like if you wear a hab shirt and I I paint it, you know, I'm taking your pride away. If I steal it from you and I wear it and I don't like the team. It's like I'm, I'm humiliating you. Yeah. That's the way. That's the way the the angle was supposed to come across. Mm -hmm. To him, it was probably one of. Him it was more like a lame storyline for him. Yeah. But uh, I can understand. I see. I can see where it comes from. It's just. I just felt like I needed to explain that. Yeah, that's no problem at all. Um, so, uh, do you understand where I come from? With oh, oh yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. Like the way you were explaining the angle, it's supposed to be like you're taking 
someone's pride away, like a, a prized possession that they own, you take it away and they feel prideful about it. And so you want to fight to get it back. It's like having a, a cherished item and you want to go uh, fight it back. Kind of like a, kind of like a title belt. You cherish that title belt and you want to go after the title and you want to win the title. That's sort of deal. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I think there's, there's things that in life that they're very important to you that if someone would touch it, mm -hmm. you'd go crazy for it. Yeah. And, and, uh, I always said like, Brett's, ring attire like the jacket was i stole the sunglasses i stole every pieces of his ring attire uh like the sunglasses i stole from a kid in the crowd yeah. but i was attacking his image all the time you know is what what he owned mm -hmm. so basically i was attacking his pride I was attacking himself you know by by trying to get under his skin mm -hmm. and that's that was the whole point mm -hmm. It just didn't end up that that well on TV. Yeah, well, it ended up with a great match. You know, yeah. I, I thought that he really liked working with me, and uh, we always had a solid match together. And mm -hmm. no, definitely. Yeah, that that. <laughs> Sorry, I saw Brett many times after our feud, and even even after our match, he, he was he was really proud, like. Uh, of what we have accomplished, and he was saying, like, I really think that I upgraded. He told me, I really think that I upgraded your character by, you know, I kind of put you over, even though I went over in the match. Mm -hmm. The way you know, build up that match, I think it made you like bigger and better, and mm -hmm. you know, it, it made your character stronger. So oh, I was really uh, appreciative of that. Yeah, definitely. Right. Definitely. Um, so we'll now move on to what you're doing now. If you want to learn more about uh, PCO's uh, dealings in the WWF, uh, then the Hannibal TV also did a great interview with him as well in terms of that stuff. But some of the interesting stuff I want to talk about now, uh, you're currently the Great North Wrestling Canadian Heavyweight Champion. Uh, the match you had with Hannibal, it ended up with Hannibal beating you down after the match and leaving you bloodied. Um, but you ended up being the Great North Wrestling Canadian Champion. Uh, Hannibal has said before that he wished he could have essentially ended your career there and he wished he didn't, or sorry, he wished that he could have let, uh, had your career ended there. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, what's your response to Hannibal in terms of uh, his comments made there? Well, Hannibal is, uh, someone very, uh, I'd say unstable mentally, you know, uh, been on the road with him, like uh, been in Puerto Rico with him. I've been in England with him. Uh, he uh, had a lot of things going uh, kind of crazy, you know, like uh, just just weird, you know. Sometimes like uh, just you know maybe uh, walk up to people and then looking at them like you know just like looking to pick up a fight or something. Yeah. And uh, he's got that reputation also where he he did injure some, you know, young new kids in the business, you know, uh, I'd say intentionally. So one of those deals where uh, I felt like uh, this, the way he hit me with the belt, you know, it was... Uh, Pretty savage. Uh, opened me up like uh, just by hitting me with the belt. You know, 
basically uh, almost lost sight on my other eye. It was right over my eye. So I got really, uh, really crazy after the match. Went pretty nuts. And uh, I just can't wait to have a, a chance to, uh, to have another match with him. Mm-hmm. Just have to let him know that he can do, can have me mm-hmm. uh, do things what he does with everybody in the ring yeah. like that. No, definitely. Um, and also, it was uh, just announced recently, uh, Commissioner John Maloney of Great North Wrestling said that your next opponent uh, is going to be Jeremy Prophet. He's the new number one contender uh, for the Great North Wrestling Canadian Heavyweight Championship. Uh, your thoughts on Prophet and uh, what kind of matchup you expect from him? I think, uh, you know, uh, the evolution of PCO lately has been... Uh, People think, you know, like I've been wrestling at uh, 2017, 2018, but the fact of the matter is that I've been doing no-gi, uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, been really good at it. I've won two championships, uh, two championships uh, in Montreal, you know, BJJ Montreal Open. Uh, I won it in uh, December uh, 2018. And uh, I won it in 2014. Uh, compete a lot. I roll a lot with a lot of guys. So uh, I do wrestle also uh, Olympic wrestling. Some, uh, some great names of the uh, Canadian Olympic team. Uh, also do Yokushin uh, Karate with, uh, you know, uh, it's cool that it's uh, under the uh, umbrella of one of uh, Oyama, a master Oyama from Japan, Shibukai, uh, Canada. So I think with uh, my striking, my uh, all my grappling, all around grappling game, and uh, all my submissions, um, I think it's going to be an interesting matchup for Profit because I know he's been doing some things with uh, some UFC guys too in the past, or maybe still does it. I don't know. I never did have a, a chance to roll with him or to exchange with him. But being a cage, no ropes. So there's, you know, submissions. And um, that's going to set up the table for me, man, about Perkshire. Definitely. And one last thing on uh, Great North Wrestling. Uh, I heard some rumblings that the uh, one of the events for Great North Wrestling will take place in Quebec. Uh, how will it feel to go back to your home province and if you're able to retain the title over the next couple of events uh, to be coming into Quebec uh, potentially as the champion and just representing your province proud? Yeah, that, that was good. But, you know, the thing about PCO now is like... Uh, Coming back here, you know, and uh, defending the GNW uh, Canadian Heavyweight title would be awesome. would be great. Because, you know, everywhere I go, like uh, tomorrow, I mean, on the um, uh, uh, I'm going to be working in, uh, for a GCW. And uh, every time I go there, it's, it's in Quebec, but maybe... Six seven hours away to make it so huge, but everywhere I go in Quebec, it's always packed. 
always the PCO chance. It's always a, a, a welcome. Uh, it's very warm. Uh, the crowd just been crazy about the whole PCO thing. You know, it's uh, I don't know. Uh, it's just magic. It's great. So uh, defending the GNW title in Quebec in Montreal or around that area, we're, we're about to find out which, what will be the fight. Oh, it'll be crazy. It'll be crazy. It'll be madness. Yeah, definitely. So, um, and also, too, let's talk a little bit about the revitalization of uh, your career as well. You've obviously the stuff with Great North Wrestling. Um, also, recently you were announced for Joey Janela's Spring Break, too. Um, and we'll talk about that match, too. But what went into... Uh, rebuilding your in-ring uh, style because I've seen the v- videos you posted up. You're doing split-legged moonsaults now. You're doing moonsaults off the top rope. You've also got a great grappling game. you got a great striking game going into the ring. What's, what's kind of been the key thing for you to be able to get yourself bounced back and now you're getting all these independent bookings? Um, that's, uh, I got hooked up, you know, also, uh, and the main thing is that, uh, it's, uh, if people go on YouTube, they'll find out many things about this guy. He's been my training partner now for over uh, six months. And he totally changed uh, my approach to training and to conditioning. And um, I already started my uh, jiu-jitsu, you know, like, because I really love this sport. And I I know that I could combine that in the wrestling game and um, my striking game. You know, I saw the evolution of the business, how it was evolving. You know, New Japan, Pro Wrestling, and ROH, and and even at one point in WWE, even though there was still, you know, a little bit uh, behind what's going on the underground market because they kind of set up the tone uh, at their own pace, but eventually they can't stop what's coming on the underground uh, business because it's so so big. Uh, PGW, uh, all all those matches, the way uh, the people wrestle, the, the wrestlers, the way they carry themselves, you know, the Ricochet, Sammy Guevara, the Jeff Cobb, the Keith Lee, the Brian Cage. Um, the big uh, Walter, yeah. you know, uh, from most Austria, WXW. Um, it's uh, you have if 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 you're in a business today, you have to be able to compete with those guys, and you have to be able to do the things that those guys are capable of doing. But and within your uh, personality, and within your own personal style, so. I mold my style uh, the person that I am, but it's really it's really me. You know, I've been doing jujitsu for that long. I've been doing karate for that long. Um, I've been doing gymnastics, you know, for all the high flyings that I wanted to uh, work on and uh, hang out at trampoline places on my days off. And things like that, because uh, there's no way that I would get in a wrestling ring and not be able to compete 
with the top competition. Mm-hmm. Uh, the day that I can't do uh, that, I don't want to be there. I, I just don't want to be a, a name in a ring. Yeah, I want to be a performer in a ring. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't care. I don't. I don't want to be in a ring because my name is Pierre Conwell. I want to be in a ring because I'm gonna tear the house down. I'm gonna make the people go nuts. I'm gonna do stuff that other people can't do, and uh, that's why I'm trying to uh, compare myself with the top in the business. I want to be better than them. I want to. I want to be as as good as they are and and be able to compete with them. No, uh, obviously, a guy like Will Osprey, probably 170 pounds. You know, so that's 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 a guy that you won't see like too many style, too many guys doing like him and Ricochet. Yeah, probably. It's, Five, six, seven, ten guys in the whole world being able to do that. Mm-hmm. Maybe more eventually. But a guy at 250, 260, uh, in good shape, good conditioning, uh, doing things that I can do, uh, that's pretty rare that you're going to see that. And that's that's the plan. Mm-hmm. The whole thing, I was saying, I, was, I got to um, train with this guy. I said, you'll see that many... Uh, Many videos of him on uh, YouTube. It's uh, Michelle or Mike, uh, the destroyer. What? R O U Y. And um, a guy can bend uh, a penny. Fully bent it. Both sides will touch each side. Uh, he's bending a, a nail. He's, uh, he's breaking a ratchet wrench. He's uh, he's tearing apart like three decks of cards on top of each other. Wow! Uh, two decks of cards with his hand and his feet. He's uh, rolling uh, pans, you know. Uh, he's one of the. He is the strongest man in the world as doing that. Nobody can bend as many as many nails as he can bend in one minute. Mm-hmm. Nobody can deadlift uh, 500 pounds or 400 pounds with the tip of his fingers on each side of the plate. Uh, and he's going for the for his class. He, he weighs only 141 pounds. Mm-hmm. He does all that. And um, since training with him, uh, it totally changed my uh, my 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 conditioning, my 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 strength. It's different uh, thinking, different angles, different way to look at things. He's he's, he's like. Uh, a genius mm-hmm. uh, as far as uh, training. And so, but I, I think the chance, I guess destiny, you know, uh, brought him into my route. And since we've been uh, riding together, he is uh, the, uh, the founder of the Doubt Group, which is a uh, Doubt stands for Best Warrior Arm Wrestling Team. And uh, the doubt that there are about 40 arm wrestlers in that team. And not that I do arm wrestling. I know how to do it. Not that it is my number one strength. But obviously, I seem to pick up a few tricks. And uh, But I'm part of the team as far as 
you know, I'm with the boys, training with them, training with Mike. Uh, and he, he had a tremendous great effect on the, uh, everything that is happening now and mm. right now. So there's a lot of things that are kind of mixing up together that makes the, the evolution of PCO what it is now. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and it's especially led to your uh, next match. It's going to be at Joey Janela's Spring Break 2 for Game Changer Wrestling GCW over WrestleMania weekend. You're going to be facing off against Walter. And for those who haven't checked out Walter, you got to go see some of his stuff. He's wrestling in PWG as well uh, as part of Ring Comp, doing some great stuff there with Timothy Thatcher. Uh, this should be a really exciting matchup. When did you get the call uh, to get the booking uh, and finding out you were going to face Walter uh, at Spring Break 2? announced it about uh, a week ago, mm-hmm. but um, I kind of found out uh, right after a show I did for Black Label Pro uh, for Michael Branton uh, in Chicago, and um, there was a lot of scouts there, um, people from different you know organizations, and I did, wanted to uh, put uh, a great show for for the Joey Manila Spring Break 2 because there was so much hype about it last year. I mean, it was crazy. I heard it was one of the greatest events of all time during the WrestleMania weekend, mm-hmm. the whole weekend, actually. And um, then I got the call for it. You know, uh, I got so excited. So, uh, this is like uh, a great opportunity for me to showcase in front of uh, a lot of people, I guess, because WrestleCon will be there too. It will be a lot of uh, people for all kind of uh, uh, and the big promotion and it, yeah, they will all will all be there. You know, ROH will be there, uh, Evolve will be there, uh, many federations actually will be there. Will be there during that that week. So. Having the chance to be showcasing my talent against someone who is pretty much called the number one indie wrestler right now, uh, Walter, uh, it's great. Great news. You know, I've been more ecstatic about it. Yeah, it's 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 going to be super exciting to see you face off against Walter again. If you want to, you definitely go check out PCO stuff, but also check out Walter, and you're going to see uh, probably some very entertaining professional wrestling going on during that time. And uh, last question here for you, PCO. Uh, just wondering uh, now after spring break uh, two and facing off against Walter, how is the uh, schedule looking for uh, PCO? Do you know any upcoming matches that you're going to face? I know you had a match with uh, Ethan Page recently. I believe that was for Black Label Pro. If not, yeah. and uh, and Ethan Page has gone on Twitter and said he got a book PCO. Um, is there any other matches that uh, we should be on the lookout for uh, in, in order to see uh, PCO back in the ring? Um, uh, book solid until uh, almost July now. Wow. So uh, whether it's uh, here in Quebec or in the States, uh, I got uh, a, a Lucha company from Toronto uh, that I'm going to be on show. I've got a, a Portland, Oregon. I've got a Chicago again. I got a, a bunch of other places in 
in Montreal that are good, uh, like Battle War, uh, things like that. You know, there, there's so many bookings. Uh, GCW, which is one of the greatest company in Quebec, and SW, uh, which is based in Quebec City. Uh, uh, want to be performing for them as well and probably touring with them too. Uh, during the summer, I got a few dates locked up. So, um, and uh, the phone's been really popular. Really, uh, you know, I can't, I can't say all the the promotion names because in my agenda, I've got all the city written, not the uh, the name of the promotions, yeah. but uh, just look out on my Twitter account. Everything will be there. Uh, it's uh, it's uh, Pure Cow Wallet. Uh, but it's uh, at uh, Arabas, you know, at uh, PCO on Twitter, and you'll get all the details there. I post uh, pretty often you know, all the stuff that I'm doing, and um, it'll be a pleasure, you know, to uh, share that with uh, all the people in the States, all the people in Canada, all over the world. I was, for so many years, I was in Germany, you know, working there full-time, working full-time for All-Star Wrestling in uh, England. And now there's so many other companies that I've grown up, you know, there I've grown up in uh, in England that are doing great. And um, also, uh, I cannot uh, forget to mention uh, another guy from Quebec that's very good. It's uh, Mike Speedball Bailey. Yes. And, um, you know, he's doing great uh, in Europe. It's <laughs> pretty much like a... NWXW, uh, WXW, and uh, I took part in that tournament before uh, it was in 2008. Mm. And I wrestled Walter before, and I, he was probably really, really young because I, I couldn't remember that until he tweeted something mm. on Twitter about that, and, uh, saying that they didn't expect to wrestle me again in 2018, 2008. So that's. That's cool. It's yeah. see the that's the difference uh, working at PCO. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a lot of good uh, things coming up. It's uh, looking pretty bright ahead. Thank you so much, PCO. I uh, really enjoyed that interview, and uh, I'm super happy to hear that you're getting a ton of bookings. I was able to see some of your matches, and I was really impressed with just how just how great these matches are, and just some of the moves that you're able to pull off. And I wish you nothing but the best, man. I'll be looking out for that uh, Spring Break Two show uh, with Joey Janela and seeing your match against Walter. Yeah, I'm all pumped up for Walter. All pumped up for uh, GMW defending my title, and uh, everything's looking good. Uh, I'm in top shape right now. Still working out like crazy and uh, getting ready for this uh, this weekend, uh, the spring break too with uh, George and Ella. So uh, everything's looking good, and I'm very very happy that uh, uh, that I was on your podcast with ideas, and uh, wish you all the best, and uh, wish everybody all the best. All right, thank you so much, Pierre. Uh, have a good one, and uh, hopefully we'll talk soon. All right, thanks a lot, Zach. Hey, this is Cody Rhodes, and you are listening to Wrestling With Ideas. And welcome back inside the CKDJ studios. This is Wrestling With Ideas right here on CKDJ 107.9. 
Ottawa's new music. And that's it for the show today. But before we go, we got to get to your fan questions. If you have any questions for the show, give us a shout either on our Twitter at Roz Gibby or at Wrestling Capital W Ideas. Or you can like us on Facebook, search up Wrestling With Ideas there. Or you can also follow us on Instagram at Wrestling With Ideas Radio. If you're not into the social media, we have an email address as well. So you can send in questions there. Wrestling With Ideas Radio at gmail.com. And we got a couple of questions here for you today. So let's get to our first question. First question comes from uh, Maguire Forte. He's actually brought in two questions uh, for this one. The first question he asks is, will Matt Hardy win a title in 2018? Uh, I think there is a chance he's just got to get out of this feud with Bray Wyatt. Unfortunately, this dream feud that we all thought we wanted hasn't turned out the way that we wanted to just yet. Now, things could change by Mania. Maybe they'll bring it over to the Hardy compound uh, for a match at Mania. Who knows what can happen there? I know they've been teasing it. Um, but again, I, I, I think he has a chance. I think he's just got to get out of this feud with Bray Wyatt. Otherwise... He's not going to be winning a title. And and he'll be probably leaving that feud very, very soon. Um, and in terms of which title? Well, I may be cheating here because he's going to be coming back soon. But I think he's going to win another tag title uh, with Jeff Hardy. But this time, Jeff Hardy has Brother Nero. I think they're going to do the Brother Nero thing with Jeff Hardy. Um, I saw there were some articles today about some big updates on what Jeff Hardy is going to be doing when he comes back. I have not read those. Maybe he's going to come back in the full Jeff Hardy garb. I don't know. But me personally, I think he's going to come back as Brother Nero and we're going to have Broken Matt and Brother Nero and they're going to go after the tag championships. And I think that's going to be the title that Matt Hardy is going to win. And the second question that he sent us on Facebook, he asks, who do you think Kurt Hawkins will beat to eventually end his losing streak? That is an interesting question. And that I'm not too sure. The first person that pops in my mind, I would think, and this may infuriate some people, is... I think The Miz will somehow be the first to lose to Kurt Hawkins. Because I think what they'll try and do, Miz cut a promo on Raw talking about how he's been underappreciated. Uh, he's the Intercontinental Champion, that sort of stuff. I feel like there's going to be something where Miz to calls out Kurt Hawkins. He wants to challenge him for a match, prove he's dominant. And then some screwy stuff goes around, whether it be with Finn Balor, whether it be Seth Rollins, whether it be with Braun Strowman, whatever. Uh, and then it eventually leads to a distraction and then Kurt Hawkins comes in with the roll-up and pins the Intercontinental Champion and then you can do like a little mini feud on Raw building up to Mania um, so that you can do like Kurt Hawkins versus The Miz on Raw for the Intercontinental Championship and you got some fire in Miz and where he gets infuriated and he wants to beat down uh, Kurt Hawkins and make sure that to prove him essentially that the loss his loss was a fluke and he's going to try and do it in every way, shape, imaginable. He's going to beat you down. He's going to make sure that, you know, he's, he's going to make sure he's got some fire heading into Mania. Um, I think that's a plan that they could possibly do. And that way it could also build up some heat for the Intercontinental Championship match uh, going into Mania as well. Now we go over to Instagram. Of course, again, if you want to send us a message uh, or comment on the posts on Instagram at Wrestling With Ideas Radio on Instagram and this one comes from uh, Bobby Virtue uh, he is a local commentator right here in Ottawa Ontario he's done some stuff for C4 GNW Battle War the whole nine yards he's he's done it all uh, fantastic commentator you got to check him out I asked about customs 
in the business and whether it's a good thing now i believe when he means customs he means uh etiquette in the locker room uh this normal tradition that you would do so when you would walk into the locker room you shake hands with everybody in the room and you got to make sure you maintain eye contact the different things essentially to get you liked by the boys in the locker room as i believe is what he's saying in terms of the customs that you have to do uh, when you're doing the locker room uh i think i think some of it can be a little bit overblown um in terms of you know oh he didn't shake my hand but he shake shook everybody else's hand that must mean he's disrespected me i think sometimes that can be a little bit too much um but i do think there are some customs that, that are good like i i do think the handshake thing can work um I just think sometimes you kind of take it a little bit too much um, and you kind of get a, a bad idea of a person when you really shouldn't. Um, so I think customs in the wrestling business are, can be a good thing. You just can't make it your be all and end all for you to judge a person in the business. Now, of course, my opinion on that's not going to change. I think, I think, you know, the custom is going to be the same no matter what. Um, and, and the customs are bad in my opinion. I think, I think they're fine. So uh, that's that's pretty much my thoughts on that. Make sure you tune in every Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern to Wrestling With Ideas right here on CKDJ1079, Ottawa's new music. Again, follow us on Twitter at WrestlingCapitalWIdeas or follow me on Twitter at RawIsGibby. Like us on Facebook. We're always posting stuff there. You can see updates to uh, future interviews that we'll do, uh, some news that we'll announce. Uh, we're always trying to keep it updated. Also, like us on Instagram, or sorry, follow us on Instagram at Wrestling With Ideas Radio. And uh, also send in your questions at wrestlingwithideasradio at gmail.com. We got tons of audio that's either already up or going to be coming up. Uh, I was recently on the Impact Wrestling Media Teleconference. That was with Tyrus. You can listen to that full chat there. There's also a 10-minute uh, beginning with Josh Matthews discussing the latest news with Impact Wrestling, what they're doing in terms of their business. Also, I'm going to be putting up a mega cut of the three discs that we reviewed for the WWE unreleased 1986 to 1995 review. That is going to be coming up on Podbean. It is almost five hours long. So if you're looking for something to pass the time, you're on the bus, uh, you're driving your car, you want to listen to something on the way over, uh, definitely download this episode. We go through all three discs. We go fully in depth, almost five hours. This is a mega cut that'll be coming up on the Wrestling With Ideas Podbean page. So stay tuned for that. But until then, guys, have a good one. You have just listened to the greatest wrestling show on the planet. If you want to listen to older episodes of the show, including full interviews, make sure you check out Wrestling With Ideas on Podbean and on the Podbean app, or listen to us on our new SoundCloud page. We can also be found on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, Player FM, and many more. Make sure you keep on tuning in every Thursday at 6 p.m. to Wrestle With Ideas.